Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you uh, that, that you uh, have not forgotten about us, God. Thank you that you have not abandoned us. Thank you that you, uh, Father, are not expecting us to have some kind of performance to get you to like us, God. Thank you. You lavish your grace on us uh, every single day, Father. I pray that we will have our eyes open to your word and your truth. And God, we know and acknowledge that Satan wants to blind us, Father. He wants to distort your truth. He wants to make it so uh, that there is no power in uh, your faith in you, Father. And I pray that please uh, give us courage to look into your word. Father, give us courage to be corrected and trained and rebuked by your word, Father. Help us to, to really be able to be encouraged by your word and uh, given hope in your word, Father. And um, again, thank you. I pray that uh, you give me your words right now, Father, to preach through this section uh, that we can leave here um, and that it doesn't stay with us, Father, uh, but that we pass this along, uh, Father, in love. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So you can turn over what we just read, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we'll be um, today. Remember, our, we're wrapping up. Obviously, we're wrapping up the year, right? I mean, we've been doing the theme of renewal for the entire uh, year so far. And um, hopefully um, there's been some time of reflection for you. I hope there has been. Um, just reflecting on and, and taking some inventory to find out has there been renewal, spiritual renewal on the inside? Has that happened? Is that something that we need to go back? Here's what I will share though, is you may come to a conclusion that you have maybe just kind of skated through the year. Maybe it hasn't been the year you wanted it to be. Maybe it hasn't been the year that you've really hoped it would be or the renewal that you hoped for. And here's what I will really share with you is, is that, you know, you can start now moving forward, okay? It's not, the goal isn't how guilty can you be made in order to change or how much shame you can have in order to begin changing. It's this idea of going, okay, this is great. It can change though today. Like, we don't have to keep looking in the rearview mirror. Like, we can go, okay, well, let's start. And you go, well, but there's only a month left. But it, it doesn't matter. We don't know if Jesus might not come back tomorrow, right? And so that, that's really my encouragement for everybody is to be able to take an honest assessment. And if, it does, if the assessment comes out in a way that you're not happy with, um, listen, don't be staring in the rearview mirror. Like, let's look forward into following Jesus. So this section right here, this is like this little explosive right here. This, these two verses that we're looking at or three verses that we're looking at, man, this is packaged up. And please forgive me. I'm going to give some, uh, I'm going to read some pieces before this, 
We're not going to read all of chapter 3, but I do have to like cherry pick some verses out, okay? It's kind of like when you go to the ice cream shop, if you've gone there and you're not sure what flavor you want, and so they give you like the little spoon, and they give you a taste, okay? That's kind of what this morning is. It's this little taste, and I don't know what your favorite flavor of ice cream is, all right? But whatever it is, I hope you taste it, and you're like, man, I need to go have more, and you go home and you give yourself a big scoop four scoops, five scoops, whatever you have to do to get back into this, to study and read because it's, it's incredible what Paul is writing here in 2 Corinthians. Um, and so uh, I, I really would love for us to begin uh, just to take a look at some things here in verse 4 of chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of passages here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. We have this kind of confidence towards God and Christ. It is not that we're competent in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit produces life. All right, and this is, Paul is like going to pack this in. This is going to be something for all of us to hopefully lock into in our brain is he's got this really incredible teaching on the Holy Spirit that God has put inside of us here. All right, and he goes on to verse 17 of the same chapter. So 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. When we read something like that, see, that's not up for debate. That's just truth. It's very important, okay, that we look at that and go, oh, this is just what Paul wrote here is true. The Lord is Spirit. That, that's true, and we with all with unveiled faces, you know, what does that mean? I don't wear a veil. What's that all about? Okay, but he's reflecting on when Moses came in contact with God in, in the book of Exodus, his face was glowing because he had been in the presence of God, right? But he came down. Now, here's the crazy part about this. He couldn't give that to someone else. It was like all the people could see it, that he had it, Right? So you had this one spokesperson, but, but now he's saying, we with unveiled faces, see, here's what Christianity is all about in discipleship, is now not just one person, right? not, just, not just one person who has a glowing face, it's every one of us who has the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You see why it's so important that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us? This is what's so valuable here. And he's saying, here's what it is. The Lord is the Spirit. We with unveiled faces, he says, here's the deal. It's like we're looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into that. All right, I want you to imagine what the glory of the Lord looks like. All right, this, I, there's no words. There, there's absolutely no words to describe the perfection and beauty and, and just magnificence and majesty. There's no way. But could you imagine standing in front of it and because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, that there's a transformation? Transfiguration actually is the word. There's the same word that was used when Jesus was tran the transfiguration of Jesus is happening here. And did you know that that's happening in us? right now he said that's what happens when the spirit comes and lives inside of us 
We are, we are being transformed into the same image, okay? That means if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, right? It doesn't matter if you had a good day today. The Spirit didn't stop the transformation process. It doesn't matter if you've had a bad week. If the Holy Spirit of God is inside of us, we are being transformed into the same image, all right? We, we, this is so important that we remember this, okay? In Colossians 3, we're, we're told Paul teaches that when we are with him in heaven, we'll be glorified with him. Right? Isn't it funny? We, we try to look for so many fake substitutes to make something of ourselves, right? Man, if more people knew who I was and knew how great I was and knew how rich I was and knew how amazing I was, if just more people gave me credit for being awesome and we try to spend all of our time in the world making something of ourselves and it's so just false because God is going, no, you don't understand. I'm doing a work in you that when you come with me, you will share my glory, that's amazing. We don't just, it's not this passive thing, oh, we're in heaven, now we're just kind of milling around going, man, it's beautiful here, isn't it? Uh, sometimes we think it's, we're going to go in heaven and go, man, it really is awesome. It, it, cool, man, this is really neat. I'm glad I'm here. It's, could you imagine that you've been transfigured exactly like Jesus and engaging with the same splendor as him? This is what's so important, and he's building this up, okay? And he goes, starts in chapter 4 here in verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. All right? And, and, and here's what I'm, I don't know who needs to hear that. All right? I know somebody does. I, I don't know who needs to hear that right now where you have to go, okay, don't give up. Now, what I'm not saying is, is like, oh man, you're just going to run out the back door of the church and never be seen again. Here's my fear, is that we're tempted to give up and just become church members. All right, you, can, you can give up on the faith and stay planted right where you are. That's the scary part, okay? Because we have this, we don't give up. All right, that's important, and he builds on that, okay? And he goes down to verse 7, and he says, because we have this ministry, because we have this treasure in clay jars, so that his extraordinary power may be from God and not us, okay? So he's saying that spirit that's inside of us, we're fragile, holding on to this treasure inside of us. And he said, there was a purpose for that. The, the purpose wasn't to put the Holy Spirit in something that was impenetrable, it was to put the Holy Spirit in something that was fragile, to show the power of God. He says, he says this, he goes, uh, we're pressured, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. He's saying that's the incredible nature, that's the miracle, is in our bodies that are so fragile, and we're, we're porcelain, man. I mean, we're, we can break so easily. And he's saying, that's where I put my Holy Spirit, because when people look at my people who have the Holy Spirit, they can see, you want to know what? There's pressure, and then there's persecution, and there's all of these things, but they're not breaking the way everyone else would break. All right, that's the, that's the miracle right there, okay? And so he goes on, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 16. Therefore, again, this is what he says, don't give up. 
He says, do not give up. Now, a question may be going through your mind. It's like, well, how can you give up on Christianity? How can you give up on that? That's not what my, that's not what my theology tells me. All right? Because here's the truth, is they're actually Paul and Peter and Jesus and all of these guys that we know in the New Testament. You want to know what was very clear to them? Is you could give up. That's why they were missionaries. That's why they were spreading the word. That's why Paul was writing these letters, because he's saying, you want to, you can't give up. Now, here's the deal. If you view salvation as a transaction, then you won't see this. Because the, the, the way we're traditionally talked about salvation is we go up and we say, okay, Jesus, this is what I want. Can you give me my card so I don't go to hell? Like my go to heaven card with my name on it? And we'll have a transaction. Well, it's free, so give it to me. Okay, and I have it and I put it on and I wear it. And so when somebody says, well, don't give up, you're like, don't give up? What do you mean? Like I got this badge. Don't give up on what? It's just, it's, that doesn't even make sense. All right, let's be corrected here if we need to, all right? Let's look at the theology that Paul's talking about. He's saying, no, you can't give up, all right? In 1 Corinthians 9, he actually says that he beats his body and makes it his slave so that after preaching to others, he doesn't fall away, that he doesn't walk away, all right? So this is urgent right here. He says this, so if you, if you need to hear that, don't give up, all right? He says this, Therefore, we don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed every single day. Okay, that's a truth. Again, that's not just a neat saying. That's actual truth. All right? If you go to a biology class or a physiology class or an anatomy class and they tell you, hey, this is the way the body works. This is the way neurotransmitters work. This is the way tendons and muscles and all these things work. They're not telling you that because it's a really neat thing to know, right? They're saying, no, this is how it works, right? And that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, this is how it works in reality. But I, I don't see that. I think all of us, if you're probably over the age of like 20 or 25, Okay, 30 maybe, okay, you, you know what's on the outside is wasting away. All right, it's not getting stronger. And you wonder what, what's sad is we've been tricked by the industries that tell us, no, 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 you can't, you can stay young. No, and your body's going, no, no. <laughs> you can put all the retinol and little serums and you can put all of the beauty products and all of those things and you wonder what will end up happening. You'll be old still, okay? And one day, and this is just, okay, not to surprise everybody, all of us, we're not, we're not going to always look as young as I look, okay? I know you're hoping. You're going, man, that guy. But, but here, here's the deal. We live in a body just, now, now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying be a poor steward of your body. I'm not going, man, I'm glad Keith said this. Now I'm going to go to the buffet and eat about 30,000 calories of cinnamon rolls, you know, because, I mean, it's wasting away, you know. I'm like, let's be good stewards, okay. And, again, I also want to caution on the other side of things is to be a good steward doesn't mean you spend your life exercising and dieting, all right. But we can be good stewards and at the same time go, man, I'm wasting away. Man, the world is beating me up, all right. It, it tears us down. We are these treasures in jars of clay, okay? And he says, but here's the deal. You are being renewed. I love this part right here. He says, our inner person is being renewed every single day. Again, let me reiterate, 
It isn't when you only have good days that you're being renewed by the Holy Spirit. That's really important to know is the Holy Spirit isn't going, what's Keith's mood today and see how I work. The Holy Spirit's going, I'm working, man. Like, this is truth. I'm inside of you. I am working, and I am being renewed. I don't go away. I don't get tired. But, but oftentimes, we're, the, we're our own worst enemy. All right? Because it's that idea of, of, like, no, no, heck no. Like, the Holy Spirit can be working, working, and we're going, no way. No way. Uh-uh. No, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not listening to these things. But that doesn't negate the truth. That the Holy Spirit living inside of a disciple renews every single day. And he says this. This this is offensive right here in verse 17. For our momentary light affliction. All right. Did he just say that what I'm going through isn't that bad? Does he even know me? No, he doesn't. So he's wrong. Right? This is what we do, right? You don't know what I'm going through. He says, no, let me just throw it out there. This, this is one size fits all. You, the, the spectrum of affliction. He says, this is one size fits all. It's momentary and light. Is he that out of touch? J- just so we know, turn over to 2 Corinthians 11. Just, just so we get an idea of what he's talking about. Because, you know, is he just sitting back? Eating olives, hanging out. This is what he says. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. He says, five times I received 39 lashes from Jews. Okay? Yeah, 39, that's a lot. Lashes, you were beat, you were whipped. He said, five times that happened to me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced danger from rivers, robbers, my own people, Gentiles, the city, the open country, the sea, dangers among false brothers, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and, he's, and, and lacking clothing. So he's saying, man, I, went, I didn't have clothes, I didn't have food, I didn't have shelter, I was cold, I had people beating me, I had, you know, the Roman guards. And, and so th- this is a man who had all of those things and could say that, that right there is momentary and light. All right, so there's a word I want you to keep in mind. It's this word, we, it's this Christian word, repentance, right? This is really important because oftentimes when we think of repentance, it's, it's, well, I did something really bad. So repentance means like, okay, I'm sorry. Let me do something good or let me change. Okay. Repentance isn't a, just a singular event thing. It's this entire lifestyle of a disciple. Okay. Repentance simply means that you change the way you think about something. You begin thinking about something in the way God thinks about things. Right? Romans chapter 12, one of the things that Paul shared, he says, don't conform to the world, but be transformed. It's that transfiguration word again. By the renewing of your mind. Okay? So there's this attitude that Paul has, and he's going, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to zero in right between your ears. Okay? Let me, let me zero in on that. All right? Because he's going to challenge us to think radically different than we do right now oftentimes about affliction. He's going to ask us to change the way we think. 
He says, right now, it's momentary and it's light, but here's what it's doing. It's producing or preparing us for, and I love this wording, an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. Okay, so, so here's what's interesting. In, in the Greek, it's preparing us or producing us in absolutely incomparable. It's essentially what he's saying is, is it's excessive excessiveness. That's how big it is. It's excessive excessiveness. It's a preparing us for something that can't even be described how big and how great it is. And it's eternal. What we're being prepared for is eternal. And then I kind of tripped up on this. I was talking with Abby about it because I'm like, every time I read Weight of Glory, I think weight seems like who wants to carry weight? Like, I feel like it's a burden and he can't be talking about it's a burden. But I mean, I really kind of tripped up on that. So, you know, this is one thing. Maybe this is helpful to you. Um, Here's this is a number of different translations. Okay. Okay. the NIV, it might be what you're reading, says our light and momentary troubles are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, right? It kind of paints a picture for us of what that means. Um, uh, our present troubles are small. They won't last very long, yet they produce a glory that vastly outweighs them, glory beyond all comparison. So we're being, we're being prepared for something that is incomparable and eternal, and we can't even imagine how great it is, okay? That's what we're being prepared for. And so it's important, again, if it's truth, we, we have, hold on, this is truth. We've got to speak this to each other. Like, this is what's true. What we look at in our affliction isn't. It's momentary and light and uneternal. There is an ending to it, Right? He says, so we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, so let's, let's really dig in, okay? Because what I love about this is that it's telling us, he, he's not saying what your affliction is, is doesn't matter. He's not saying that what your affliction is, is, is comparable to someone else's. Listen, you can't do that. Your affliction, your hardship, your persecution, okay? It is what it is. It's tough. We're looking at it, right? But he says it is preparing. It's actually this this idea of transformation. We're being prepared through these things, okay? Turn over to Romans chapter 5 for me, okay? Because what I love about this is that God completely flips the script on Satan, Right, Satan's like, let me get my fingers all up in people's business and mess things up and make things hard and fill people up who are going to hurt other people. And that's what's going to destroy Christianity and the church and Jesus. And then here's what Jesus says, nuh-uh. Because I'm going to outwit you. I'm going to put a Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit in people that all of this junk that's going around in the world, I'm going to use that to prepare them for glory. All right. You see how that's a different thought process than, man, what I'm going through and what I see is so hard and so difficult. And that's all I'm looking at. But in Romans 5, in verse 3, again, Paul writing this. He says, we rejoice in our afflictions. 
because we know this, okay? Our afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God has, God's love has been poured in our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Right? It, this isn't about going home and then gutting it out to be joyful in affliction. It's a radically changed view of affliction. It's seeing it and going, okay, what I see is, is pain and hurt and all of these things. And it's not always just physical. It can be depression. It can be anxiety. It can be mental. These things that are agonizingly difficult. And it's looking at it instead of going, this is so bad. And all I want to do is get rid of it. And all I want to do is hate on it. And this is consuming me completely of going, okay, hey, here's the deal. I don't like this but it's actually producing something. It's preparing me and it's preparing you for something that I can't even imagine. Go, but, but how's it doing that? I don't, I don't know. He does though. I don't know. I don't have to know. But it's producing this for us, All right? So back to 2 Corinthians 4. Here's what's, a, here's what's tough about this. This is what's tough about me, is we live in a drama culture. We live in a culture that says you are something when you are in affliction. Like, like our kind of a weird connection we try to make with people is to like tell everyone all of our afflictions. Like publicly, people we know, people we don't know, there's almost a strange desire that's been like built inside of us to yearn for drama. And, and what... what Paul is describing is completely undramatic. Instead of like, well, what, what was me? Can you imagine? I had such a hard day today. And, and whatever it is. And it's legitimately hard. I'm not talking about like little things. I'm talking about we can tell people things and go, man, this was legitimately hard today. In drama culture, it's like, let me feed that because there's this drama. And then I like being involved in other people's drama. And the spirit-filled disciple says, but here's the deal about this. It's producing something in me. It's producing something inside of me. There's something about this that's producing the glory of Jesus inside of me, okay? Going, but what? That's not dramatic at all. Like, maybe you should talk to more people. Maybe you should, you know, it's just drama has crept in to our society to where we don't even think in these terms any longer because it just squashes. Could you imagine soap operas and, and different shows on TV that are dramas, right? If the person who's going through the affliction goes, you know what? Hold off a minute. It's going to be okay because I'm being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. No one will watch it. Man, we want to see drama. This is what makes it difficult for us to repent. Because have you ever noticed that? That being involved in drama is oddly satisfying sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, don't, you can lie to me, but don't lie to you. Okay? That's oftentimes why we like dramas. That's why we like, you know, what they call, you know, this is not me saying it, right? Chick flicks, right? Because, man, there's some drama. We like some drama. Right? It's like, I love that. And then, but we don't realize that, that, that the philosophy of the world is training us to never see affliction the way God intended it to be. 
that he's never done this, okay? Now, here's what's the other fascinating thing, is there's this whole kind of backstory, hopefully we're going to pick up on, which is this idea of Paul is like, we've got to go out and make disciples, right? I mean, that's never put to the side, but I do want us to pay attention to this. We really can't do the ministry of Jesus and make disciples if we aren't people being transfigured and transformed into the glory of God. See, that's what's so important about this. Oftentimes, like, no, man, I can go invite people. But can we sit down with people and walk through and say, you want to know what? Jesus is changing this. Well, are you all better? No, it's, it's hard. I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I've got these really tough family things going on or all of these things. But here's what I know. I'm not crushed and I'm not in despair and I'm not done. I'm not dead. And God is preparing me for something. All right. That's extremely powerful than just kind of giving into our drama, right? So he says, our inner person is being renewed. We have this momentary, and then he tells us this, okay? He says, so we don't focus on what is seen, but as what, what, uh, what is unseen. Here's what I find in my life, is things don't go the way I want them. So there's a spectrum of affliction and persecution and hardship, okay, for me, which is like totally superficial affliction, which is, you know, my sink isn't working that well, okay? And then there's like really, really, really tough when it comes to, when it comes to family, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to just all kinds, where it's really, really, really tough, okay? And there's all of these, um, and, and here's what I find, whether it's superficial, when I focus in on that thing, that's all I see. That's all I, I just keep looking at it and looking at it. And what ends up happening is what's produced is despair and bitterness and anger. And I keep, and then I start dwelling on things to fill and fuel that up. And so he's like, stop looking at that, okay? What he's not saying is we're not talking about turning into like Mary Poppins. We're not talking about turning into like, oh, everything's great. Nothing's hard. It's awesome. See, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. It's the idea of going, you want to know what? I have a choice to set this aside. And to focus on what's unseen. This is not easy. This is not a message. This isn't a section that we can go away and go, okay, this is what I'm going to start doing. Because every one of us has been trained and trained ourselves in the opposite. Fixate. Fixate on problems. Fixate on things that are going bad. Fixate on affliction. Fixate on those things. And they look so big. And then the world is saying, give me your drama. I'm going to be in there with you. Okay? And Paul is coming in here. He's going, hold on a minute. Drama? You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Hold up a minute. Stop focusing on the dudes that don't like you. Stop focusing. Sometimes we end up even doing that. We think, we truly believe our battle is against people. And there are, there are people who will produce affliction and hardship and, and violence and all of these things on us, all right? Except remember what Paul says later in 2 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians 10. He's like, make no mistake, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against who we see. That there is a battle going on and, and a battle that's waging that can't be fought physically, right? And so here's the deal. He's like, you know, stop focusing on what you can see. Stop focusing on, you know, whatever, the brother that did this or the sister that did that or all of those things is look at it and go, hold on, what's unseen? What's going on that I don't see? There's a spiritual battle going on that I don't see. 
There's a Holy Spirit inside of me that's churning out, that's just trying to renew. And sometimes I can kind of be, you know, oftentimes when our children were really little and we were going to start giving them baths, you know, we'd bathe them in the sink, okay? I remember thinking, this is awesome. For real, man. I'm like, this is great. You're going to plop me in a, some warm water and I'm just going to chill out? This is incredible. And the baby's just like, no, nah! you know, just screaming their head off because they're so scared. I mean, just absolutely scared. Oh, I don't know what that is. I don't know how it's going to feel. All right. And, and we're going, but hold on. It's going to be awesome. That's going to be incredible when you get your little booty in there. You're going to love it. Right? I feel sometimes like I can be that way. The Holy Spirit is like, no, I'm trying, let me put you, come on, man, let me get you in this really great place. And I'm looking at things and they scare me. I'm, I'm looking at what's seen and I'm going, man, I'm scared. I'm scared of conflict. I'm scared of whatever. I'm scared of, of the world. I'm scared of sharing my faith. I'm scared of all of these things, right? I'm scared of outcomes that can happen that I don't want. And the Holy Spirit is just chugging away, going, no, no, no. And so the battle really becomes against me and the Holy Spirit in many regards. Of going, hold on a minute. You know what? Let, let me surrender and go, okay. All right. Where you're taking me, I'll go. Because here's what I know. You're taking me to a good place, right? This is how David could write Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I, I don't want for anything. He lets me lie in green pastures. He walks me beside quiet streams, right? And we're going, really? What the heck is that all about? I don't know. That's crazy. And it's that idea of going, hey, here's the deal. Let, let's surrender. Spirit, where you're taking us, take us. What's coming, I don't have to fear. Because the Spirit is producing and preparing and this is about God's love, and this is about God's nurturing, and this is about his maturing of us. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be always peaceful and all those kinds of things, but inside it can be. All right, if you're, if you're really thinking about like this external stream and ex external pasture that you lay in, I'm saying, but internally you can. Internally you go, yeah, you know, it's kind of rough here. It's tough. I don't like it. It's hard. But I know what the Spirit's doing inside of me. And, man, he's leading me beside still waters. He's, lead, he's like a shepherd, man. He loves me. He's, leading, he's letting me lay down in this beautiful pasture, okay? That's the miracle of discipleship. When the, when the rest of the world's losing their head, it's the Christians going, man, they're going through hard things too, and they're not losing their head. Okay? But it can't happen just by, like, snapping our fingers here. Okay, and going, okay, now I'm going to do it. It's this idea of day after day after day after day of driving and remembering and meditating on these truths, right? It is that idea of we have to take this with us and go, okay, you don't give up. Don't give, I know it's hard. I know. And here's the, the deal is we don't snap our fingers and do this perfectly. And the truth of the matter is, is God's expectation isn't that you do it perfectly either. It's the idea of, do you want this? Do you really want this? Enough to go, okay, I'm, I'm going to, God, I trust your word. Your word is powerful. 
infuse it into me, okay? Some, some of my favorites, you, people in here, you all like superheroes. I like superheroes too. It's really amazing how people sometimes become superheroes, like whatever, gamma ray, radiation, like a spider bites you. There's craziness that goes on. Radiation, lightning bolts, whatever, and they become a superhero, all right? I love Spider-Man, right? He gets bit by a spider, all this weird venom goes in him, and all of a sudden he's like doing all kinds of craziness, and we love that. And that's nothing compared to God doing. I'm putting my spirit into you. And it should absolutely amaze people, not because we become a superhero in our own right, but because God sees things happening to us that are absolutely not possible. All right, back to verse, uh, chapter 3, he said, He made us competent, not for us, but because of him. All right, and he has... When you're baptized, repent, and you're baptized into Christ, and that Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Man, that's better than the spider venom, the gamma ray. That's better than the lightning bolt. That's better than all these craziness we see and love from the Marvel Universe. I love all of those things, but going, hold on a minute. The Holy Spirit inside of us is something eternal, incomparable, excessively excessive. But that's a truth that we've got to trust and talk to one another about, right? We've got to be able to do that. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. So how do we do it? What else do we focus on? If he's saying, you know, don't focus on what's seen. This is kind of a mantra that we probably have to tell ourselves all day long. Don't focus on what's seen. Don't focus on what, don't focus on what I think is true. Don't focus on what I think is fact. Don't focus on those things. Focus on what's unseen. This is not what I wanted. I'm going to read this anyway. Because it's good. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus into an inheritance that's imperishable, uncorrupted, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's unseen. It's this idea of, hold on, you're telling me that there's an inheritance that never goes bad. There's nothing wrong in it. It never goes away. It's an inheritance that's so vastly incredible. You mean I can think about that? I can focus on what's unseen and that will help? Yes, absolutely. He says you're being protected by God's power. Can you see that? But you are. We are. You're being protected by God's power. All right? Can I focus on that? It's unseen. Why not? Rather than looking around going, man, that person scares me, and this situation scares me, and my family scares me. I mean, I, listen, here's the deal is, is as we change, the things that scared us won't any longer. Okay? And he goes on. He says, you're being protected through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed. You rejoice the short time you've had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, 
which is more valuable than gold, yet it perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him, though you haven't seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. He says you can't see Jesus, but you love him. Okay? You mean I can focus on Jesus? Like, that's, not, that's just not my imagination. That's like me and Jesus are here together. Well, how do you know? Because the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Right? He is there. I can't see him. But it's very easy for me to go through a day and focus on a zillion different things and not Jesus. Rather than going through the day and going, okay, Jesus, like, what are you telling me? Where do I go now? Like praying to the Spirit. Teach me. Like, where do you want me to be today? And knowing that I can't see Jesus, but he's here. inner person is being renewed day by day all right again this section i just want to call your attention back to it this takes a radical level of mind change don't underestimate how much time and energy needs to be put into this to change how me and you think because we can have a good day or two but we're talking about like getting on board with jesus's way of going okay i'm with you you're renewing day by day i get it it's happening all right and I get my affliction. It's momentary. It's light. I've got, it takes a lot to convince me of that. Because we think it's not momentary and it's not. It's never going to go away and it can't get worse. See, the, the, we're being called to radical re repentance and not focusing on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what we can see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These, these words are absolutely, this is what I mean. This is like a little package of dynamite right here. Eternal, incomparable. I mean, you, you see these amazing words that require us. So that's, hopefully you go home and maybe you got a little taste of ice cream and you were like, man, I really like how that tasted. That's the flavor I want. Let, let, listen, let, let me tell you, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, I mean, Paul is just like whipping this into a frenzy. But our inner self, it's happening. It's being renewed day by day. If you're going, but I don't even know. I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I don't know if I do. Then it's really not that difficult. Is to study the scripture. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. This is one of the ways right here. It isn't that everybody just goes off and tries to figure it out on their own. It's the idea of, let me find a minister of reconciliation to walk me through this. And if I find that, oh man, I've been religious my whole life, and I've tried to do good my whole life, and I've been really zealous my whole life, but when I look at the scripture, he, he says that, man, the Holy Spirit is coming to live inside of me when I'm baptized, when I repent, believe and repent, and I'm baptized, and then the Holy Spirit comes and is living inside of me, but that's not what I thought is I would just encourage you to allow yourself to be corrected by the word. Just, just, to, be, just to be quiet enough to go, okay, listen, that, that's a good thing. What is seen 
is the whole religious world saying it can't be that way. It can't be that way. And what about so-and-so? And what about this? And what about that? Going, hold on, I'm not focusing on what's seen. I'm looking right here into this. Okay? This is the importance of having the Holy Spirit. So as we take our communion, okay, a lot of times, right, we, we dig in on communion. Remember the body and blood of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Not only the, the death, how tragic, but also the sacrificiality of a king that's saying, man, I love you this much, right? But it's also this rejoicing of the resurrection and going, oh, man, you don't die in Christ. There's no more death. You live afterwards, and he's showing us that power and knowing that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not different, of knowing that immense power and sacrificiality and love that he's saying is living inside of us. It's also who Jesus is. So as we take our communion, here's the thing is, is to look at it and go, okay, God, you've already shown us. You've already shown us what's real. You've already shown us your power. There's no debate. You rose from the dead. You've shown that to us. Now, the only step after that can be either, uh, I need a softer heart. I I need to just surrender and let your spirit do what your spirit does. Uh, Help me see something differently, but don't let us stay the same. What a tragedy it would be if, if through all of this, but we never, you know, there's the power source, but we never plugged in. What a tragedy. So we're going to go ahead and take our communion right now. Um, and we'll have just a time to, you can, you can chat and share and share notes with the person next to you. You may just want to have a time of just silence and prayer and meditation. That's fine too. Um, but let's pray before we do that. Uh, Father, thank you. God, thank you so much uh, that you uh, have shown us already that you have won, that you are powerful. You have, you have proven that you love us more than anybody can love us you've proven it father and i pray please remove any of satan's influence that is telling us the opposite father whoever it is on earth father that's being thought of that you don't love them i pray that you just remove satan's power to make people believe that father i pray that our hearts are softened by your love i I pray that we see we get on the same page with you that we see, help us to truly see what affliction is and truly see what eternal glory is. Help us to radically change how we think, Father. And we love you. We love you so much. We want to be like you. And we want to be ministers of reconciliation that make you proud. Father, we love you. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.